The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose. And he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name and happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. of my career, and yeah, you even sent me to the hospital. But you sent an injured Brian Cage to the hospital. And here I stand, and I'm not going back. Michael Elgin, you're gonna find out that you can't break this machine. Dr. Ariel is out here. He's the team doctor here for Impact Wrestling. He has stated that Cage is not medically cleared to perform. Cage should listen to his doctor, in my opinion. Oh boy, what is he doing? What Cage is he doing? Has Dr. Oh my God! That's a physician, for God's sake! Cage is not crazy. Does that mean he's medically cleared now, Dr. Ariel? As I was saying, who better than Brian Cage? He is the world champion. Wait a second. Michael Elgin. Elgin from behind. Michael Elgin is assaulting the world champion. What a back-jumping piece of garbage. Cage coming off a catastrophic spinal injury at Rebellion. Elgin can care less. He wants to send Cage to the hospital. Big Mike! 
Williams is how he hurt him. Helpless. Cage is down and out. Elgin, though, on his feet. Not again, not again. Good Lord, another Elgin bomb on Brian Cage. Cage trying desperately on instinct to fight back. Nothing will stop Brian Cage from going to Slammiversary. Well, this might. Oh my God! Oh, what, what is this thing? Another oh Elgin bomb? Oh no! What? Through the, through the, oh, what the, oh, my, oh my God! The world champion's been broken in half. Get out of here! This is your champion. Trip of Wrestling feature episode here on the two-man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire. I am a JP a John Paz and today we introduce and welcome back Michael Elgin aka Big Mike to the program. This would be his second time joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Joined us a couple years ago and we were kind of able to catch up basically where we left off from the last interview we had. When we first interviewed him, we were kind of talking about his meteoric rise through Ring of Honor and how great he was doing there and, and the, like the dominance he was having. Well, now it's all about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then, obviously, since he left New Japan, we're focusing in a little bit on Impact and on Pro Wrestling Noah as well. He has been everywhere and anywhere, really wrestling some of the top wrestlers in the world throughout his career, whether it be in Ring of Honor, whether it be in New Japan Pro Wrestling, whether it be in Impact. He really has made a huge mark on the business. One of the best workers out there today, just his style, very unique, Use a lot of power moves. He's just been really executing at a great, great level for many, many years. He's one of the best wrestlers on the independent scene. There is no doubt about that. And he's one of the one the guys that you really just look at and say, man, he's got star written all over him. He's got something about him that's going to take him to the next level. He is one of those guys that is kind of made for Japan, if you know what I mean. He's just one of those workers that fits that style so perfectly. He's snug, but he's stiff. But he's strong style. It's one of those things where he's just one of those great wrestlers who really fit in in Japan. But he does gr- really great in the States as well because he can work any style. He's a great wrestler. 
and I've enjoyed his time in Impact Wrestling so far. Really looking forward to what he's going to be doing in Pro Wrestling Noah going forward. He's kind of been everywhere. He's been in CMML in Mexico. He's been in Lucha Libre Elite. I mean, obviously he dominated the Canadian wrestling scene for many, many years. Uh, if everyone remembers him in PWG having a big run, Rev Pro. I mean, if you just think about it, anywhere where's a big spot to be had in pro wrestling, Michael Elgin's been there and had some classics. And we do, of course, talk about some of his classics and his great matches. Of course, Adam Cole, AJ Styles, Okada, Eddie Edwards, Davey Richards, which was just an unbelievable five-star match in Ring of Honor about nine years ago. So just really going to go through the gamut of him and his career and really what what he's been doing. And also, got to throw this out there as well, because you're going to hear it at the beginning and probably the end of the episode as well. This was taped before the whole uh, coronavirus thing and before things were kind of going crazy. So Gimmickry, a.k.a. Modern Vintage Wrestling, had Michael Elgin booked against Jacob Fatu in a huge, huge dream match for MVW in Philadelphia, but that was not to be as everything kind of imploded and everything was canceled. So this is going to be like a special little bonus feature episode, really, if you think about it, because it's not actually taking place, and that show didn't take place, and this interview is going to be out after that. So we kind of held off on putting it out because... That show didn't happen, but sitting there, it's like, wow, it was a great interview with Michael Elgin. Might as well get it out there for the masses. Let people hear it, and you're going to hear some stuff about Modern Vintage Wrestling and Gimmick Tree, and you're going to hear uh, some stuff about a show that just didn't happen. So just keep that in mind with the coronavirus and all the other craziness going on in the world. That uh, that just didn't happen, but there is a lot of great stuff in this interview, and you will absolutely love it. Like I said, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact, Everywhere in between, we talk about it in this interview at great detail. Speaking of the TMPT Empire, we have so many great things going on. So many great shows coming out. Shane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast on Vince Russo's The Brand. Dutch Mantel's University of Dutch on the MLW Radio Network. We have Dr. Tom on our feed, Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling Empire, and that is Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. And then, of course, we also have Rick Bassman's Talking Tough, which is available on Podcast One. So stick around and stay tuned for the Two-Man Power Trip. We've got so much going on. We are taking over the world, divide and conquer. We are just absolutely dominating. And just please, if you can, Check out all of our social medias and just keep abreast of what's going on and you will be able to find out the latest about modern vintage wrestling and what's going on with Michael Elgin and his return to their organization for this big dream match, which will happen down the road with Jacob Fatu. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a little bit of the former Ring of Honor World Champion, the former New Japan Never Champion, the former New Japan IC Champion. He, of course, is Big Mike. This is my
joining us on the line right now is a former IWGP Intercontinental Champion, a former never champion for the IWGP in New Japan, and of course, a former Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. He is, of course, Big Mike, Michael Elgin. Michael, welcome back to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you very much for having me. How are you guys doing? Doing great, and of course, we are talking today to you about the big show on March 28th for Modern Vintage Wrestling over at Tollman Joe's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. House Party 5, welcome to the Wasteland. What do you think about that huge show coming up March 28th in Philly? You know, uh, if fans have ever been to a Modern Vintage show, they know that they're tremendous cards. And the big thing about them is they often have first-time matches. And much like March 28th, me against Fatu is, is a first-time matchup and a match that I'm really looking forward to. So... If you're seeking great wrestling, I'd uh, I'd say show up. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, showclicks.com slash modern vintage wrestling for tickets. Tollman Joe's, cool venue over there on Oregon Avenue, right by the old ECW arena. And like you mentioned, first-time matchup against Jacob Fatu. I think a lot of people have that not only as a great match, but as a dream match as well. What do you think about that? Uh, you know, personally, it definitely is. I remember seeing him for the very first time live at APW in 2017, and I was blown away. And ever since then, I really wanted to get in the ring with them, and I'm glad that they're they're doing it out in Philly. What do you think about that matchup? I mean, it is going to be a hell of a match. He's definitely an up-and-coming guy, great guy. You're one of the best guys on the scene. What do you kind of think the fans should expect? Hard hitting, stiff, stiff match. What, what can the fans expect over in Philly? Uh, you know, definitely hard hitting. Uh, but I think we both are surprising for our sizes. You know, we bring a lot to the table. We have a mixture of styles, and you just never know what you're going to get. Of course, you know, when you have me in the ring, uh, you're always going to have strikes and you're going to have hard hitting. And as far as I've seen from Jacob Fatu, he's the same, but. You know, we're both super athletic and and are very, very knowledgeable in vast different styles. So I think that you just never know what you're going to expect. And neither win or lose on this one. Both of you guys have qualified for the second annual Bruiser Brody Cup, which will be held April 25th in Rome, Georgia. Obviously, last year was won by uh, Tommy Dreamer. Came up a little short. But what does the Brody Cup mean to you for gimmick tree? And as somebody that loves Japanese wrestling so much prior to even going to the country to perform. Uh, I really looked up to the foreigners of the past that were in Japan, and obviously, uh, Bruiser Brody is a name that kind of, you know, you kind of think of foreigners in Japan, and Bruiser Brody's right at the top of that list. So, to be able to perform in a tournament that, that in his name, and kind of to, you know, give back to all the great things he did in his career is amazing. And, you're right, I did fall short to Tommy Dreamer last year, but I look forward to winning this year. Such a big thing, and you talk about Japan and the foreigners, the gaijins, if you will, wrestling over there in Japan. What about yourself recently signing, maybe surprisingly, maybe not so surprisingly, with Pro Wrestling Noah? Yeah, you know, uh, with Impact, having a working relationship with Noah, it just seemed like a perfect fit, as I had a good career with New Japan, and it seems that the fans over there really appreciate what I bring to the table. And to do it with a company such as NOAA is kind of, uh, well, it's not kind of, it's a huge deal to me. 
because when I first wanted to go to Japan, uh, I wanted to go to all Japan, you know, back in the mid-90s when I first dreamt of being a pro wrestler. And then soon after I started wrestling, Pro Wrestling Noah was the big company over there, and I had real goals and dreams of performing for them. So now that I get to, it's honestly a dream come true. Pretty cool that Impact has that relationship with Pro Wrestling Noah. Obviously, Impact, a whole other regime, a whole different thing. But who are you kind of looking forward to when you get back over to Japan and you get to wrestling some of those guys? You know, I'd really like a chance to wrestle Mara Fuji in Japan. I know I got to wrestle him stateside for Impact, but I feel wrestling somebody like Mara Fuji in Japan would just be even greater. And then, uh, of course, Goshi Ozaki. Uh, he just won the GHC Heavyweight Championship while I was over there this past weekend. And... Uh, he's always been a guy that I thought very highly of, and I think our styles would be a good uh, good mesh together. Absolutely. Do you love the fact that Impact has these relationships where you can have these somewhat dream matches and these different matches and these matches against guys all over the world? Absolutely. You know, I, I really pride myself on being able to work any style and work with any wrestler and having a match. And I, I think more so than ever in 2019, I proved that. And... Uh, not only that, I enjoy first-time matches, being able to get in the ring with somebody the first time and, and have that instant chemistry. It's just something that not everybody can say, and I feel that throughout my career, I've really showed that my style and, and myself as a wrestler can really go out there and have a top-notch match with anybody. And as far as Impact Wrestling, we are kind of talking about a little bit in a new regime. Don Callis got to more. You made a shocking debut there and, and a surprise debut. What are your thoughts on Impact and where they're headed and, and this new regime that they have? Uh, you know, when when I had decided that I needed some time away from New Japan, I kind of looked at the landscape of wrestling and I really focused on all the products out there. And the one that really spoke to me was Impact. You know, I felt that they did a great job of making the championships important. I felt that they did a great job at making the sport of professional wrestling uh, be the prime aspect of the television program. So I felt that with my style and with the wrestling that I enjoy doing, which is very athletic and uh, more so the sport basis, I felt that Impact would be the perfect place for me. So I really look forward to joining. And since I've been there, I think that the new regime has done a great job of, of building the product, building the talent that are on the roster. I look forward to a big future for it such a cool thing and I'm going to get back to impact in just a second but you know you mentioned needing time away from New Japan why did you think you needed some time away from New Japan I just felt that at the time uh, I wasn't moving upwards and that's not necessarily meaning like being a champion or anything I felt like I was kind of treading water with a lot of multi-man and I'm just like a goal orientated person and being there you know, my goal was to have big-time singles matches. Whether it be for a championship or not, I just wanted to show my worth, and I felt that sometimes when they get new people within the company on them and, and everybody else kind of takes the back burner for a bit. And I just felt that I'd taken the back burner for a little bit too long, and I wasn't seeing the growth in myself as a wrestler that I wanted to see. So um, I just felt that if I could get away and... and show the rest of the world what I was capable of, that you never know what happens down the line. You know, maybe they can start working with Impact and I end up back there, or maybe my time comes to an end and they seek me back out. Who knows? But I just felt like I was treading water and it was time to kind of get a different look on things. And uh, to be honest, I'm really glad because being with Impact has been amazing. 
with myself and for my career. And I believe for the company as a whole, I think we're just a perfect partnership. So uh, even though, you know, I loved my time in New Japan, I felt that I learned a lot there. I got to wrestle with some of the best wrestlers in the world. And I think it allowed me to come to Impact and make an instant splash and work with guys like Brian Cage and PJP and Rich Swan and Eddie Edwards and have the big time matches I've been able to have because I got to learn so much with my time in Japan. And what do you think about Access TV playing kind of a role in, in obviously, Impact's growth and, and, and that, but no longer will New Japan be on Access TV? Yeah, you know, I would have loved for New Japan to stay on Access TV. I think having, like, a wrestling night or a wrestling channel like that and having a destination for other other places outside Impact is always great, you know, for viewers. Um, but... I think that New Japan will be okay without it, and I think that now it being the home to, to Impact is going to be a big deal for us. I think that people are used to watching wrestling on Access now, and now they can tune in and see Impact, and I think it's just going to be huge growth for our company in 2020. As far as New Japan, you're definitely open to, not anytime soon or anything like that, but you're open to coming back if if need be or, or headed back to New Japan, there's, there's no heat, there's no issues, you would go back definitely if, if wanted? Yeah, well, you know, when I when I explained to them the situation and that I thought it would be best that, you know, we end our working relationship early uh, that my contract had had me for, um, it seemed all right. They told me that I would always be welcome back, the door was open, there was no, you know, Four words set between us two. It was dealt as a business sense, and both parties understood. And they they granted me my release. And um, if there was ever an opportunity, of course, you know, as I said, I learned a lot there. It's a great company. But right now, my focus is on Impact Wrestling and Noah, and uh, I'm very happy with that decision. I think that Noah is growing again within Japan, and I hope to be part of that growth. And I think that Impact is growing again in the United States, so I definitely want to be part of that growth. It's interesting with Impact and the new regime and kind of where they're headed and the new direction and everything else. It seems to be generally praised by everyone kind of online and the sheets and stuff. You don't really see a lot of negativity towards Impact lately. A lot of people, critics included, are pumping up the show, promoting the show, and talking highly of the show. Is that something that, you know, you're really proud to see and happy to see? Because, you know, it's somewhat of a new signing, and you see a, a lot of positive reviews for the show. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm very happy. And one of the reasons why I'm very happy is I've been very fortunate to be with the big company since 2010. Um, I was with Ring of Honor, and I moved to New Japan, and now I've moved to Impact. And I am, honest to God, the happiest I've ever been with the company. The locker room is amazing. Uh, everybody who's in charge is amazing. Everybody's easy to talk to, easy to deal with. They really put forward the best show that they can. And I feel that they treat everybody fairly. And, um, you know, and from my point of view, um, I've had great experiences with everybody. Um, it's definitely the, the most, like, positive and kind of family classroom I've ever been a part of. And I'm, I'm really proud and honored to be there. Very, very good environment. Like I said, a lot of positive reviews for Impact. Is Impact something that you have a, a long-term contract? Is it a short-term contract? Like, what is, is your, your deal, so to speak, with Impact Wrestling? Uh, I have two years left. Oh, wow. Okay. 
so somewhat of a, of a long-term deal. And yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I, as I said, I really wanted to go there and and help the, the company grow further and, and more so help the talent. As I said, I've had a very fortunate career of working with some of the best wrestlers in the world, you know. I got to wrestle with guys like Roger Strong and Adam Cole and AJ Styles and then over in Japan with Naito and Okada and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks all these tremendous talents that helped me grow as a performer. So to be in a promotion with, you know, quite a younger talent that are still maturing and still coming into their own and the chance to work with them and help them perform at a high level is just something that I really look forward to as a performer. Now, in Impact Wrestling, obviously, recently you had a feud with Brian Cage. He's one of those guys that everyone says, future star, current star, however you want to word it, he's one of the big names out there. That that's just is one of those like kind of can't miss guys. What was your kind of experience working with him? Because it seemed like you guys definitely had some good chemistry. He's definitely one of those guys who is like a, a blue chipper or a can't miss guy. Yeah, you know, um, Brian's an easy wrestler to have chemistry with because he's so talented. And uh, we had a past, but more so as a tag team than against each other. I think prior to coming to Impact, we had only ever wrestled each other once. So being a team, we kind of got in that groove of, of knowing what each other's thinking and it just kind of transfers over to one-on-one matches and he's somebody that i would you know i know it's cliche to say because we hear it so much but he's somebody i would work against seven days a week uh you know all year long just because he's such a tremendous talent we had such great chemistry as far as a, like guys like rhino like those veteran guys he comes into impact obviously he's going to play a major role Almost you guys are kind of like that, that not the same style, so to speak, but kind of like that same size where it's like, man, these guys but are polar opposites, but the same, if you know what I mean. They're like same kind of build. What is your thoughts on Rhino, the, the veteran, coming in and helping out the guys in Impact? You know, I think that's crucial. I, I think that's crucial to growth for many reasons. One, if you're a wrestling fan in the last 15 years, you know the name Rhino. You know, you know him from ECW, you know him from WWE, you know him from the old regime of TNA, you know he's just a huge star, so he brings eyes to the product, and not only that, his knowledge you know, in wrestling for so long that that knowledge is just something you only gain with time and that knowledge is something he can pass on to everybody else, so he's a very, very, very valuable asset to the company. Do you like the fact that they have veterans, you know, like the RVDs of the world and Rhino, do you like that? You said it's crucial, but do you like those specific guys coming in and being that mix and being the guys that are going to come in and kind of uh, shape the future? Yeah, I think that's crucial. I think that those veterans are needed in every promotion because they help get everybody advanced. You know, there's a reason why AEW has Dustin Rhodes and Chris Jericho there. Because not only do they bring that name value and they put eyes on the product, but they also help the younger talent grow into themselves and perform on TV. Because performing on TV is much different than performing at a show that's not televised. Very, very true. And AEW, you know, obviously a competition for Impact Wrestling. But what are your kind of overall thoughts? on AEW and, and how they've kind of came along so far? You know, I, I think the whole competition thing is kind of silly. You know, I think everybody can be offered something different. And everybody 
now he's trying to give the world just more wrestling. I think that's a good thing. But how they have started has been amazing. You know, I'm so happy for all my friends that work there. They're getting eyes on the product. They have great TV. Um, man, AEW's great, and, and I'm very happy for their, their success. And I think that their success is only going to be greater as it moves forward. And as I said, it just puts more eyes on the world of professional wrestling. Now, with Impact Wrestling Access TV, you know, they're, they're pushing off and, and they're kind of, you know, really, really building themselves up and they got uh, some pay-per-views coming up and they got different things coming up. What are your thoughts on, on, like, some of the rest of the roster, like Sammy Callahan, Tessa Blanchard? What are your thoughts on some of those guys and girls? I, as I said, I, I think our roster is great. You know, Sammy Callahan has done great for the company. He's made great ways for them since debuting. Uh, he's been you know, a real leader uh, with his promos and with his matches. And he gets eyes on whatever he does. He's got a tremendous following that he's brought along the impact. I think Tessa is one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen wrestle, and that's not for gender. That's just as a wrestler as a whole. I think she's got a great attitude. She works hard. You know, she's just tremendous, and I'm so happy that she has the opportunity to main event pay-per-view coming up for the World Championship. Now, if I could just go back to New Japan just for a second, because we had you on before a couple of years ago, but this is really before you hit your stride in New Japan. I mean, you're in New Japan, but this is right before you won the IWGP Intercontinental title over Kenny Omega. Obviously, Omega is one of the biggest stars in the industry at this point. Now, at that point, was the first ever ladder match in New Japan. What were kind of your thoughts on not only – winning that prestigious championship, but wrestling Kenny Omega and doing it in the latter match. Well, you know, I, I'd wrestled Kenny a, a couple times before that. He was another guy I just had his big chemistry with. You know, we both shared the love of wrestling, and we both had similar philosophies, so it was very easy to get in the ring with him. And, you know, even at the time, I would say he was one of the best wrestlers I've ever been in the ring with. You know, probably top two or three I've ever got to wrestle. And uh, being able to be in the first ever ladder match with New Japan, you know, that goes down in history. And that's big to me, especially having a young son, being able to do things that that will always be in the record books is kind of a high honor for me to kind of pass on to my son and know that I did something valuable with my time, especially the time that unfortunately I've had to be away from him for my career. Um, I hope that that leads kind of, a lasting memory for him to understand why I was gone when he was growing up. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge, <laughs> huge high watermark. And obviously competing in the G1 Climax tournament you know, multiple times, that's pretty damn impressive too, right? Yeah, you know, the G1 is growing. As a matter of fact, I made my debut in Japan uh, doing a four-week tour in the G1, nine big singles matches in a month. And uh, it was grueling, but be a part of something so special and so prestigious, you know, it just adds to uh, to my love of wrestling. You're right, grueling tournament. You were actually in the 2015, 2016, and 2017 G1. I mean, whew. is that just one of those things where it's just a lot of injuries occur? You know, it's just one of those things where you know going in it's going to be a, a just a, a horrible, not a horrible experience, but it's going to be maybe a horrible experience for your body at the end of the tour. Yeah, but you're prepared for it, and I actually did the 2018 G1 as well. Yes, yes, yep. So technically, so, you've been in four G1s. Yeah, yes. 15, 16, 17, yes. 18. Yeah, yep. Yeah, but uh, pretty... yeah, you know, uh, it was growing on the body for sure. But 
as a wrestler, you are prepared for that, and you kind of, uh, I don't know, it kind of just gives you a kick in the butt, you know. Um, your 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 body gets conditioned to it, and you just love it. It's just, it, you don't feel normal without it, kind of. So those, those tournaments, uh, as grueling as they are, they kind of, uh, they, just, they made me feel normal and uh, definitely groomed me to be a better professional wrestler. And wrestling, some of the best wrestlers in the world. You mentioned a couple of them before, but uh, you know, obviously Okada, uh, Ishii, totally underrated. Goto, totally underrated. And eventually you beat oh, Goto. And eventually you beat Goto for the the Never Title too, which is pr- you know pretty damn impressive. So, I mean, just if you think about the run there, is a damn good run for what it was. But do you think that some of these guys are you know, uh, underappreciated, so to speak, or underrated, but they're really legit legends because uh, Goto and Ishii, for instance, just a terrific, terrific professional wrestlers. Yeah, you know what? Uh, those two guys I had tremendous chemistry with, and I loved wrestling both of them. I, I think Ishii has that kind of fanfare that people understand how good he is, but sometimes I feel that people forget how good Goto is, man. He's one of those guys that always puts on a show, and he has those big singles matches, man. They are just something to watch. And, of course, Minoru Suzuki, absolute legend wrestling. And we mentioned a few times Okada, who's arguably the best wrestler in the world. Uh, you, you know, is that something that you, you agree? I mean, you, you've been in there with Tanahashi and Omega and all these other great guys, but you kind of throw Okada out there as being one of the best? Oh, hands down. Uh He's a, a tremendous, tremendous wrestler and somebody I also had great chemistry with. Um, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. Easily, easily one of the best. But as we head towards the wind down and head towards the finish, I'll always kind of remember a huge high water mark for you was winning the ROH world title at Best in the World 2014. I mean, it just sticks out because one of those guys where it's like, man, this guy's one of the best wrestlers on the scene, one of the best wrestlers. I wonder if they'll realize it, and obviously they did. Is that one of your career just defining moments, one of your high points? Yes and no. Um, Yes, because it's such a prestigious championship. Um, Yes, you know, it's kind of a nod that you're a great professional wrestler. But in the same sense, it was like, I just felt that it was, I don't know how to say, I felt that the time for me to win the championship was earlier. I felt that I had real momentum coming in after the Davy Richards match in 2012. And also, I, I know Kevin Steen was coming back and he had, you know, even greater momentum. But I felt that the the position should have been me against Kevin Steen following Kevin Steen beating Davy Richards. I really felt that that was the money feud because later on in 2012, I had a match against him and Mississauga that was also very critically acclaimed and I just thought there was something there and sometimes you know when when opportunities come too late it just doesn't have the fanfare it should and uh, I felt that due to that uh, the fanfare wasn't really there even though it was a great moment for myself the night I won it and I'll never forget you know winning it in the Nashville Fairgrounds and having my wife in the ring to celebrate with me but um I just felt like it was hard to, to keep momentum after winning it because the fans assumed I'd been in the chase, even though I only had a couple title matches over the time. But 
after that match with Davey Richards in 2012, I felt like people were really ready for something big from me, and it just wasn't given to them, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can't forget Showdown in the Sun. I mean, that match, obviously, five-star, Dave Meltzer rated five-star match. Just unbelievable match, and if anybody hasn't seen it, I mean, go out, I don't know, Honor Club or YouTube, wherever you got to find it, but that is awesome, awesome match. Kind of, would you say, breakout match for you? Would you say, like, that really kind of put you on the map? Absolutely. That was definitely the match that, that really opened up eyes. Is that kind of considered one of your favorite matches or just kind of like on a list of many? It was, it was definitely, you know, in the top ten matches of my career, I felt. you have some other kind of either favorite matches or, or maybe some favorite opponents that kind of stick out above others, maybe ones that we wouldn't even think of? Uh, well, the, the previous mentioned Kevin Steen match was one of my favorites. Uh, obviously, the latter match we talked about. We covered Ishii a little bit. My first match with Ishii at the G1 2015, that's a, a very big moment for me. Um, one of my favorite opponents of all time, though, is Eddie Edwards. Uh, I feel he doesn't get the just due he deserves. He's, you know, he's in that talk of the best wrestlers in the world 100%, and I just feel like he doesn't get his just due that he should. So he's he's up there. He's one of my favorite opponents, and to me, one of the best wrestlers out there. So if you were to talk about wrestlers that, you know, maybe might not get that nod as, as, as you know, my favorite matches that people wouldn't think, but definitely he's one of them. What about some matches maybe that you didn't have? Some, uh, I guess you could just say the dream matches, so to speak. Is there any dream matches out there left for you? Because a lot of them kind of get yes. checked off the list. There's four. Two of them are possible right now. The other two, actually five. Three of them aren't as possible unless given the opportunity at some off show in the States. But one is Okabayashi from Big Japan. That could possibly happen a little bit more easily. Goshiyazaki is definitely something I could see happening because he's with Noah. And then the last three are Ibushi, Shingo Takaji, and Will Ospreay. Great, great uh, list of guys there. That's just an unbelievable list of guys. How could, you know? How come those guys above others? It's just the skill level, you know, different styles. Obviously, with Osprey and obviously Shingo can do it all, but it is and obviously Bushi totally, totally different style. Is it one of those things you want to do a style mesh and have the styles clash? I just feel that those five are so good uh, that we will have instant chemistry. You know, I think people on a certain level always have that natural chemistry with somebody who's on a similar level to them. And I just feel that we would have amazing matches in all five of those guys. Now, where do you kind of see Big Mike? Where do you see Michael Elgin in, in like, let's just say, five years' time? Do you, you still see yourself, you know, kind of dominating them at ranks with Impact? Do you see yourself going full-time with Noah, maybe? Do you see yourself back in New Japan? Where do you see yourself in five years? No, I, I really don't know. Um, it's hard to say because the climate changes so much that you never know what's going to happen in five years. Uh, I do know that God willing and, and hopefully nothing drastic happens, but I'll still be performing in five years uh, and I'll be performing at a high level in five years. But outside of that, you know, I, I really don't know where I see myself. I just hope that um, I will continue to have a good career and have the matches that have been happening. And, and whether I'm wrestling or not, people still talk about, 
my performances. And of course, got to remind the folks one last time, March 28th, Modern Vintage Wrestling will be at Tollman Joe's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on Oregon Avenue for House Party 5. Welcome to the Wasteland. You can also order the show on Fight TV if you can't be there live. If you can be there live, showclicks.com slash Modern Vintage Wrestling. Of course, dream match for a lot of fans out there, you versus Jacob Fatu. Give us one last sell for the big House 45 show. You know, uh, dream match is thrown around a lot. And sometimes it's not really what should be promoted for the match, but I feel that that match is a dream match. I think you have two guys at the top of their game who are the best at what they do in respective companies, and they're going to have a match that's must-see and a match that can't miss. So if you like professional wrestling and you want to see a match for the agent, then that's the match you got to see on March 28th. All right, great stuff. And, Mike, please give us uh, some of your social media plugs where everybody can find you and reach out to you and check out what you're up to. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Big Mike Impact and on Twitter at Michael Elgin 25 all right. Thank you uh, so much, Big Mike. Uh, wish you great success in the future and great success against Jacob Fatu on the 28th of March. And, of course, the Brody Cup, uh, 425 in Rome, Georgia, a part of the Superstars of Wrestling Convention at night. Modern Vintage Wrestling will have the Brody Cup. So good luck to you and everything. And, obviously, good luck with Impact and Pro Wrestling Noah. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.